Georgia Senator Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, 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 House Representative. My bad. I'm sorry. Uh, 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 please don't elevate this person yeah. any yeah. higher. <laughs> I'm thinking, did I, you know, was I in a coma for two years and she got an even higher office? No, uh, yeah. No, no. Uh, yeah. It's all good. No, this, this, this. House Representative, thank you. There you go. Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, thinks America needs a national divorce between red and blue states. It's an idea she floated on Twitter, and Sean Hannity on Fox is taking it seriously. You know, how did you get to this, this point? I mean, I, I look at topics, for example, how do you reconcile defund the police and no bail laws with law and order? How do you reconcile secure borders and wide open borders? How do you reconcile energy independence with energy dependence and new green dealism? How do you reconcile peace through strength uh, with with people that want to gut our defense? You know, there, I, I don't see middle ground on a lot of these issues. So what is the other answer if it's not a divorce? Well, exactly, Sean. That's the problem and where we are today. And in, in my life, in my world, I all of my friends are regular Americans. Everyone I talk to is sick and tired and fed up of being bullied by the left, abused by the left, and disrespected by the left. And our ideas, our policies, our ways of life have become so far apart that it's just coming to that point. And the last thing I ever want to see in America is a civil war. Um, no one wants that. At least everyone I know would never want that. But it's going that direction. And we have to do something about it. But it's going that direction. Let me just play a few more things so I can put it all out there, Spike. And then we can I want you to really just kind of take it all in what's going on. Um, you might be wondering, who is asking for this? Well, Green says, just look at my Twitter. I actually think this is a much bigger movement than most people in Washington even realize. And you can take a look at the tweets that I made just yesterday. The amount of likes and retweets that those tweets got should tell people a lot. And they're just not aware of it yet because they don't talk to regular people. Green believes a national divorce is an idea that the you know like wa- uh, the likes of Washington, Jefferson, and Madison would have endorsed. And do you expect it'll happen? Last question. Well, I think it's something that we should work towards because you know it's kind of the vision that our founding fathers had for America, and I think it's a great one. It worked in the beginning. We just got it completely out of control. So I hope we can get there. Okay, I I, I had to play that spike. And the reason why I had to play that last part, I wanted you guys to hear her say that it was the vision of our founding fathers for red and blue states. Now, Spike, I, I, let me just say this. We can we can disagree on things. No doubt. We do this every single day. Some of my brothers and sisters that listen to the show on a daily basis, we have our agree to disagree. We do that here on the show. We are the United States of America, no matter what. If you're in the state of Florida, if you're in the state of Texas, if you're in the state of Washington, if you're in the state of Michigan, you get where I'm going. We are the United States of America. In this country, and I'm going to throw it to you, Spike. In this country, the vast majority of Americans 
It's simple. We want safety. We want to be able to afford where we live. So, you know, we want affordable living wages. We want affordable health care. We want housing. We want education. That's what we want. We don't want succession of states and doing all these things. But the scary thing about it is, is the reason why we're bringing it up. And so it's real easy to say, Spike, well, guys, this is just Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's no big deal. She is the minority. But the point that stands out to me is two things. One is nobody, nobody from the Republican Party is coming out and denouncing this. That's number one. And number two, all of the things that they ran on, they ran on inflation. They ran on putting um, groceries and being able for you to go buy groceries and putting money into uh, Americans' pockets because people are struggling in this country. And not one policy, not one thing that they talk about on social media, on Twitter, reflects any of that, and that's the problem that I have, and it is worrisome right now. Well, I don't know where to begin with with this latest flare-up of the minority points of view getting the loudest platforms, and I think that's really what it is. You know, we're talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is, you can dismiss her as just one of, you know, hundreds of GOP members of the House of Representatives. Except that she's a leading voice in their party because of guys like Sean Hannity and Fox News, which give these people a nightly megaphone to speak to a third of Americans. Fox is the number one news program in America. And I use the word news generously. They've gone to court literally to defend the fact that no one takes what we say seriously. We're opinion shows. People, people who have common sense don't believe what I say. That was actually the defense of Tucker Carlson's show in a court of law. So that being said, Marjorie Taylor Greene's out there spouting this. Well, I, you know, I think this is so popular because everybody on my Twitter feed and how many likes I get. I got news for you. Less than 5% of Americans respond to Twitter. And if you've got all of them on your short bus telling you what you're doing is the best thing ever, that doesn't mean that's what America wants. That's like a guy in the back of the Greyhound bus shouting, left turn, left turn, left turn, left turn, and the bus goes off the freeway. Because that's what the people wanted. That guy in row 12 wouldn't stop screaming. It's this, they say it's the silent majority. It's the insanely vocal minority, people like Green, who just want nothing but the soapbox and attention. The woman has no concept on how to govern. To, to, set, to a, a national divorce, red states from blue states. And we didn't even get to the part where she said that if people move from a blue state to a red state, they shouldn't be allowed to vote for five years. I, 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 I mean, that's American. That's what the founding fathers had in mind. I guess Herschel Walker would have been. (laughs) But anyways, okay, on this topic, because the very easy thing for me to do with this topic would be for me to do a couple things. Chef, I can get on social media and I can get on this platform right here. And you know what I could say? I could say, you know what? Let's entertain that thought. Let's entertain red states succeeding from everywhere. And so we'll have red states and we'll have blue states. Red states can't afford to lose the funding of the blue states. But the reason why I don't do that, because all that would do would add to the problem. Because I don't believe that Marjorie Taylor Greene 
speaks for the majority of her own constituents. I don't think the vast majority of people that live, that the people that she's supposed to govern for, I don't think they even feel that way. You want to know why? Because most of them are just trying to go to work, man. They're just trying to feed their families. They're trying not to pay $9 uh, for a, a carton of eggs. This is getting out of hand. And so, again, we can have our differences. We can disagree on policy. We can disagree and, gee, you're crazy and all of those things. But, yo, this whole not being united, considering that we are the United States of America, yo, yo, we can't, we got to stop this. And what is it? What is this is what Jefferson would have wanted? What is what is a, a that fundamental misunderstanding from? of what the founders want in, in, in bending the wishes of the founders, just like they bend Bible verses to suit whatever purpose that they want without yeah. any fundamental understanding of the beliefs that are underneath those. Um, the reason why we're talking about this is because we generally don't dive into the national political scene too we often. We pass on so many of these stories. Right. I, I have a laundry list of crazy, absolutely crazy stories that we just pass on because it's generally not productive. But occasionally one bubbles to the surface where you say, you know what, this is a dangerous idea. And it needs to be discussed as that dangerous. This, this is one, st- one step short of incitement and calling people to arms. Now, the only Republicans, literally the only Republicans I could find who denounced that this morning uh, would be Mitt Romney, who said briefly to reporters, I think Abraham Lincoln dealt with that kind of insanity. We're not going to divide the country. It's united. We stand and divided. We fall. The other, the other Republican would be uh, Utah Governor Spencer Cox. I, I love this guy, actually. He's, he's had some extremely thoughtful things to say about very difficult issues, including trans kids in sports that I highly respect. Here's what he said. This rhetoric is destru- destructive and wrong and honestly evil. We don't need a divorce. We need marriage counseling, and we need elected evil, uh, leaders that don't profit by tearing us apart. We can disagree without hate. Healthy conflict was critical to our nation's founding and survival. Now, I want to address why you may not be hearing anything from, say, Kevin McCarthy and the Republican establishment. Here's the reason. There is no Republican leadership. And I'm not saying that just because a bunch of them are huge cowards. It is because it has literally been eviscerated by social media. Because Marjorie Taylor Greene can put out a tweet like that. And she will get millions in direct fundraising from private and small donors from that tweet, from floating ideas like this. She is no longer beholden to, nor is any politician beholden to, the National Party to raise them money. So they get money by saying the most insane things on social media, and they immediately get a paycheck. Here's the problem, though. Uh, We need people to call them out. We need leadership who can do that. But when you have Republican leaders who are terrified of their own voters, they're terrified of them because they know I'm going to be in a primary with only Republican voters. And if there's 30 percent that are going to swing the whole primary vote and they're the loudest, they're the most radical and they're the ones that show up. Those are the only people in the country I'm talking to, let alone folks across the aisle it's, I'm not even talking to the rational people in my own party because I only have to talk to that 30% that are the loudest and most radical. And what's even more dangerous is when people like Sean Hannity uh-huh. give this woman a national platform. <clears throat> it's one thing, <clears throat> excuse me, it's one thing when Marjorie Taylor Greene speaks to the choir that is her Twitter followers. And, and you're right, she's the number one fundraiser in the Republican Party. 
she knows what she's doing. I, I, I tend to dismiss her as being unintelligent, but I don't think that's an accurate or fair assessment. She knows what she's doing, and she knows how, to, how it works and, what, and the climb to, to power that she is undertaking. But when people like Sean Hannity or the entire Fox, and I, I don't want to get into the, the back and forth both sides-ism, and everyone spins stories to suit their needs. But the recent revelation about Fox News and the internal emails that came out from the Dominion suit against Fox News, the multi-billion dollar suits from various voting machine operating companies, right. and, the, and the claims of election fraud, and then the internal documents and emails and tweets from the employees at Fox, just not just the owner personalities, but the producers and the behind the scenes as well, folks who knew what they were saying was false that they were blatantly lying to their audience for purposes of protecting their market share in broadcasting. Tucker Carlson's tweet about, hey, this woman fact-checked Trump, and it's our, our stock price is tanking. Get this woman fired. Right. I mean, you know, we understand what their game is. We understand what their business model is. It's not to deliver you facts. They don't care about facts. Their business model is to deliver you what you want to hear so you're, you don't f- uh, to flee to Newsmax or uh, OAN or whatever other extreme point-of-view news source is peddling the story of the day. So when Sean Hannity, who is supposed to be a trusted news person, one-third of Americans, listen to what these people say with complete belief. When you put someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene on that says, everyone's saying we should just divorce red states and blue states. This is how this becomes a dangerous, not just a fringe, extreme, radical point of view. It's a dangerous, mainstreamed point of view. Let me bring it home here. And let me tell you the biggest reason, and I'm glad Chef brought it up, because there's a lot of topics. And usually, you guys know, we don't we don't really address Marjorie Taylor Greene. We don't address the extremism that is going on in this country. But the, one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to bring this topic up, because here's the truth. What's being and what's happening on the national level impacts us here at home in the state of Washington. How does it impact us? Well, it impacts us this way, and I'm going to simplify. Believe it or not, we actually need, we need bipartisan. We need Republicans and Democrats. Because when you have one party that gets to do all of it, then you get too far one way. Right. And in the state of Washington... What's being impacted, and by the way, I do believe that there are a lot of Republicans. There are some Republican views, and I'm like, yo, I'm on, I'm for that. It's no different than all of you guys talking about, hey, sometimes you need the two-parent, right? You need two parents. You need this person is this way, this person is this way. Then you kind of you kind of get the best of both worlds. Well, in the state of Washington, we need the best of both worlds when you get that push and pull down there in the legislature. Well, when you have Republicans that end up being represented as the national level of Marjorie Taylor Greene, that hurts Republicans here at home. And then you don't have the the push and pull when it comes to discussions. And so the reason why we have to bring this up, we at some point, I am begging the GOP leadership on the national level. I'm not talking local on the national level. They got to shut this down. This cannot continue. It can't continue. So I say again. Here at home, it hurts politics. What ends up happening is the Democrats here in the state of Washington, you you guys that are upset about some of the things you're like, hey, the Democrats have gone too far. You know what? There's sometimes I agree with you. Yep. I agree with you that the pursuit law went too far. 
Well, those things in the Democrats in the state of Washington, they go too far because there are some here in the state that's like, you know what? I don't trust any Republicans because sometimes in their mind, the Republicans that they see are the loudmouths of Marjorie Taylor Greene and the Matt Gates who have the voice of the GOP and nobody in the GOP is checking them. Well, Chef said it best. You can't win a primary without the extreme portion of that party. So they cater to that extreme portion to seek re-election in primaries. And then you're stuck with these people running the show. Spike O'Neill. Yes, sir, my friend. Interesting story here. Uh, I know that you've been laid off, I don't know how many times, dozens of times, clearly, over the course of your career. I know. Well, I chose radio. What was I thinking? Come on. (laughs) Uh, It it, it was coming down the pipe. Yes, I have been let go numerous times. So just so people know that not just for radio, but for many different companies out there, that when you get laid off or or you get fired, occasionally there, there will be some kind of agreement in place that for a certain amount of time, maybe indefinitely, you do not say anything about the company that you worked for. Could be radio, could be TV, could be a tech company. Uh, and so this is kind of a standard thing. But but now the National Labor Relations Board put employers on notice that they can no longer silence laid off employees in two very specific ways, uh, saying that it violates their rights under Sections 7 and 8 of the National Labor Relations Act. So they can no longer include a broadly written confidentiality clause. Confidentiality clause. That's a twister there, Spike O'Neill. And if you can't say and- it, we're going to have to show you the door and you'll get a severance <laughs> package. But you won't, have, you won't be able to say why we let you go. Oh, wait, now you can. And now I can. Yeah. And they also it can no longer include a broadly written non-disparagement clause that prohibits you from discussing the terms and conditions of your employment with third parties. Now, Spike, before we get into the fine details of this, I got to tell you that that early in my radio career, there was a guy that I worked with who was a very, very talented guy, and he, but he he would butt heads with upper management a lot. I mean, and, and ownership a lot. And the guy was really, uh, I, I want to say, not just passive aggressive, but he was the kind of guy who thought that he would never be laid off because he was his ratings were really good. And right, his, bulletproof. You know, his, yeah, he thought he was bulletproof, and his. His, uh, you know, everything about him was was just the best, right? And and he was a very talented guy, and he had a ton of advertisers. But his attitude was so bad that management made the decision to cut him. And he had one of these agreements in his contract, and he decided, in his wisdom within the business, that he was going to go and he was going to make a twenty minute rant about everything that was wrong with the station that he worked for now i don't know how that ended up for him legally but needless to say i have not heard from him since right <laughs> i have not he's not been on any he's not stations anywhere he doesn't podcast he does not youtube he doesn't do anything so i'm not sure what he was hit with as a result of him violating that agreement but it, it effectively ruined his media career so i can see how i say that to say this I can see how the the National Labor Relations Act would come out or the board would come out and say this violates somebody's rights under Section 7 and 8 in the idea that you potentially would not be able to find future work or, or, you know, talk about your experiences to future employers, whatever it is. Well, what this what this act seems to do what this at least this putting these companies on notice 
it keeps you from being held hostage if you're in a position where you're leaving a job, if you're being laid off or fired. And if yeah. you want severance and you need severance to take care of your family while you transition to your next opportunity or go back to college to retrain to get up a, a more modern skill set to find employment in the new world we live in today. If you want to be able to take care of your family, you got to shut your mouth. You, yeah. have, you have to have a like a non-compete clause where you can't go work for other companies in your field for up to six months. Or like you said, the, the silence clause where you can't say anything disparaging about the company, where you can't even talk about how, how the job was done at your company. Correct. And if you, if you do, you lose the ability, your severance package, the ability to care for your family. And yeah. they literally were able to, to force people to keep silent. And it's, you know, and there are things that you, that you should keep silent about when you leave a company and there are company secrets and, and recipes and ways of doing business. Those are protected right. entities and, and assets of the company. And those should, of course, be kept silent. But if you were let go because the company mismanaged this or because they automated that and now what the box you used to fill on a regular basis is being filled by a robot. When you, when your next <laughs> employer asks you why you were let go, it used to be you couldn't say a word or yeah. you'd lose your severance. And to your friend who was able to go in there and drop a 20-minute, you know, a truth bomb on the world, he probably had the luxury of not needing his severance, of not needing the golden parachute balance of his contract he had negotiated, right? He felt it was more important to him. He probably had a nice nest egg put together over Maybe. a long career. And he bought a bunch of slumlord properties, and he was a he was a, a property owner in the city now. He, he, was, he, other he, was, he had his own sausage or hot sauce with his name a, on it. He was a property owner, but yeah. I, I will say this, that he he had a little bit of the old, uh, you know, he, he liked to hit grandpa's old cough medicine. Oh, you know yeah. Robo- so, brought to you by Robitussin, whether they're paying so, me to or not. I hear so my, you. My assumption is that he gets let go, and he then goes out, and he's at a bar with some of his close friends, and they say, they can't do that to you, man. You're the king in this town. Yeah. You, you're the radio god in this town, mayor. man. You you gotta you gotta let the people know, and he kicks a couple back. He's got a couple tall boys, maybe a little Cuddy Sark, and then he says, oh, the "You know old what?" <laughs> he says, "You know what? You're right. Someone fire up my iPhone and get me on Twitter." Ooh. So um, I think that's Boy. what happened to that guy in particular. But the the I don't know, Spike. Like I've signed lots of lots of contracts in my mm-hmm. life. I've I've have never had a problem with a company saying. Please don't say anything bad about the company when you leave. I, I, for me, it's a as a business relationship. I feel like that's the least that you could do for a company that if the, if they haven't broken any laws and and if you leave on a very um, amenable way or a very agreeable way or you know still respectful way, why would you ever say anything about the company that hired you, gave you money, you know, gave you a, a, a way to subsist? Why would you ever want to do that unless you're a bitter and resentful person? Well, let me Is let it, me let me speak from personal experience, sure, and I can tell you sure. why that may be a cause, right? Okay. So, and I'm going to use a hypothetical. Say you had a guy named Skip who was okay. doing a radio show in a town called I don't know New Battle, Washington. Okay. Um, and in his and during during his particular time of day, his show had gone from oh I don't know 17th to maybe second in the ratings. Okay. And you were let go. And, and the, the next employer down the pipe wants to know, well, why'd they let you go? I'm not allowed to say. Their assumption is, 
oh, you must have mistreated your coworkers. You must have said things off air that disparaged advertisers. You must have showed up to work mm. under uh, the influence of Uncle Tom's Robitussin factory, whatever it might be. <laughs> and so for you not to be able to say, well, you know, the company was trimming their bottom line due to a debt restructure. Uh, yeah. And they brought in someone from out of market to do the job for one sixth the salary being paid to the current employees. That's why you're – and you can't say that under these silence agreements. So it can be prohibitive of your ability to earn a living. I mean it, it, the thing is this. A lot of people don't have the luxury of, of having a, a nest egg or you know, a cushion to fall into should, when you lose your job. And the severance package you get from your employer over maybe sometimes years of service – yeah, severances are dictated by the time, usually the tenure accrued at a job you're working at, and and you know maybe they mismanaged the company. They you know why'd you get let go? Well, the company bought the place and sold off our steel mills. You know for for uh, you know it was Mitt Romney's company bought the place, right? And they sold every steel, every machine lathe we had. They sold off the assets, so I didn't have a job. But if I yeah. can't say that, if you know if some if you can't say that to people because it yeah. disparages the ownership of the company, you know you have to. Be, I like that this protects people. To at least be able to, you know, tell the truth about what happened. That's, that's some deep cut Mitt Romney lore that people don't often talk about. When that it comes venture to capitalists Mitt, buy venture, things and sell off the assets yeah, is that, lore. That, that well, a lot of people don't know that about our good friend Mitt Romney. That for many years that he had in, in corporate America, he ran a business effectively that would buy other businesses and hollow them out. Right, they would bankrupt their 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 um, yeah. pension funds, yeah. sell off their assets, and send everyone home. And, but but that was the business right. model of super serving those who were in the venture capital company that he worked with. He was doing yeah. the job he was hired to do. Yeah, I mean the guy was really cutthroat when it came to capitalism for for many many years, and, and then he ran for the president of the United States. Yeah, that, that, that's the ugly side of capitalism. That there yeah. are there are winners and victims and, and losers in capitalism. But that's You're that's listening. that's still the best model going. Spike, this kind of a sad story, but it provokes an interesting question. Uh, so last November, four University of Idaho students were stabbed to death uh, in, a, in a home that they were renting. And it's an incredibly sad story. The owner of the home decided that he would like to give it to the university. And the university has decided to tear that home down. Yeah. And in, in the replacement, they're going to put a nice little garden as a memorial for the kids. And I think that that's very sweet and very based. And I would do the same thing. Um, but the question is that I would that I would ask is that had the owner not decided to do this very generous and righteous and kind thing and decided to let us just say sell that house, one, are they legally required to tell people what transpired in that home? But then also, two, would anybody want to live in that home? And should that home even stay up, being that such a horrible event happened within it? Right in Uvalde. They made the decision to tear down a vast majority of the school right. and put up a memorial for the children who were killed. Now, it, it seems as if, you know, I think that that's a very special thing. I, I think that it's an important thing to do. But then at the same time, there are houses where, where tragedy happens on a regular regular basis, as unfortunate as, as it is to say that. I mean, would, would anybody want to buy a home had they known that somebody had been stabbed to death within or had you know any number of tragedies that can befall human beings uh this story is as you said heartbreaking from all aspects right i was really proud to see the owner of this property uh, donate this property this land to the school and let them do with what they thought appropriate i mean i'm sure that he'll receive a tax credit to some degree, so it's not it's not without you know some compensation for the ownership. I'm assuming here that's the case. I know okay. when you make donations to universities, you do receive some type 
type of tax credit. Um, I When I first saw the story that the place was going to be dropped and made into a garden, I assumed that the university had reached out and offered to buy the property from the property owner to do this garden. The fact there should never be another house there is absolutely without question. Uh, to your point about is it legally required to tell folks what happened in a property? I'm not sure about the legality. I know if there is a health concern, say there's a meth lab in the basement, right, you, you yes. are then required Saul to tell folks. School of Law. Exactly. Let's talk about the meth lab. I didn't see it in your disclosure. I mean, you can learn a lot from, from Breaking Bad. It, it's, he's right on the money. But, yeah. but I know you have to let people know then. Uh, I'm not sure about the legality of letting someone know if a, if a violent crime has been committed. I think you may be forced to tell people that. In, in, in disclosure of real estate. I'm sure there are real estate lawyers or real estate agents in our audience. 888-973-5476 is the text line of the show. If you know the legality of disclosure when a house goes on the market, <clears throat> we'd love some clarity. Now, here's one from the text line. They claim that Washington state law says you must disclose a murder because the investigation mm. may come back to the home, but not a death of natural causes. Well, well, okay. well if you if, – <laughs> I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. If you had to list every home where someone had died over the last 400 years of Baltimore's history, there wouldn't be a ghost-free property in the city, <laughs> especially in old downtown Baltimore. I worked yeah. at a bar that was called The Horse Came In and was opened in 1736. I know people dropped dead on that bar. I know mm-hmm. for a fact people dropped dead on that bar. There's bars on Capitol Hill to, in, in Seattle where people dropped dead in the bar. or And not just, you know, there were killed in the bar through violent crime. People just died of old age at the bar. Um, I, I love that this will become a memorial garden. That's the only appropriate future for this property. I mean, yeah. you, you couldn't sell this without disclosing because it's just too public. Well, I, it's been it's been yeah. newsworthy too much. And I don't think I don't I don't think anybody would want to no, buy it. No, you know, I, I certainly I certainly wouldn't. And it's not because. It's not because people were murdered there. I would feel as if it was somehow disrespectful. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? yeah. it, it, and you couldn't even like, build on the land. If it would feel bizarre to me, yeah. being that in a certain, you know, in a sense, it's it's almost like uh, you want to make it a a memorial or a sanctuary right. for people. And that's what's going to happen. It, which I, I'm, I'm so pleased that the university decided to do that because it seems like to take it. And maybe I'm just you know soft-hearted. Jack Stein does too much yoga. But when I look at this kind of thing, I think what one what an appropriate thing to do. But two, anybody who's like, "Well, it's just a house; you can go live in it," I just think to myself, "Well, there's it's at this point in my mind, it's not just a house. It has been imbued with meaning. Yes, and and because of that, I think transforming it into something else makes it more special and, and meaningful and recognizing." What happened to those uh, to those kids? I'm glad we're in agreement. Yeah, well, this is one of those rare moments where Jack Stein, two things are true at once. Yes. You're right about this. And yes, you are too soft from doing too much yoga. <laughs> Both can be true. <laughs>